Today I want to focus on your physical body. So in part seven today, I want to talk about having physical confidence. Because, you know, we've been talking about personality and soul, but there are a lot of people, a lot of us in this room, because of some physical quality on the body that God gave us, it holds us back from stepping out in faith and doing things and being part of this group or that group or, 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 or it causes insecurity in life, uh, whether it's a birthmark or your height or the color of your skin or your weight. These qualities are not excuses for us to live insecure. They're not even liabilities that keep us from our destiny. Nothing on your physical body should keep you from doing what God's called you to do and being who God's called you to be. Now, one of my favorite scriptures on this, Isaiah 45, 9 says this, you have no right to argue with your creator. You are merely a clay pot shaped by a potter. The clay doesn't ask, why did you make me this way? In other words, if God wanted you to be taller, he would have made you taller. If he wanted you to have a different color skin, he would have given you a different color skin. If he wanted you to have blue eyes, he would have given you blue eyes. If he wanted you to have a faster metabolism, he would have given you a faster metabolism. You got to get what you get and you don't throw a fit. It's the only body you get while you're on earth. I have some friends of mine that are African-American and they told me the other day that they put lotion on their skin to make their skin lighter color. And then I know a lot of white people in this room who will sit out in the sun and bake your body for hours so your skin gets darker. If you have uh, straight hair and you want curly hair, you just perm it. If you have gray hair and you want black hair, you just dye it. If you have no hair and you want hair, you can buy it. You know, we all have these things we want that we don't have. Um, it, it takes me so much work to gain weight. I mean, I have to tell myself to eat. I have to intentionally eat every two hours because I want to gain weight. My metabolism is like the Energizer Bunny. It just goes and goes. Some of y'all's metabolism went into a coma in 2004. Hasn't come out since. But it's the body you have, okay? You got to learn to love it. You got to learn to take care of it. And you have to accept the body that God gave you. Nothing on your body holds you back from your God-given destiny. Not the color of your skin, that does not hold you back. Not your height, not your strength, not your... Listen, everything that God gave you is a gift, and we must maintain it very well. So I have three points today on being physically confident. Number one is this for your notes. Speak well of your body. Speak well of your body. Never, 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 ever, ever say anything negative about your body. And do not do that in front of your spouse. It does nothing for your bedroom time when in front of your spouse you're talking about how you gain weight and your hair's falling out and stuff like that. Never say that. Now some of y'all in this room are the most encouraging, um, faith-filled people and you're always speaking words of faith into people. You would never go up to somebody in church and say, you know what, you are so ugly today. Or um, you're really fat this morning or you got wrinkles all over your face. You would never say that to somebody else. But I've heard some of y'all say it about yourself. Can you believe the Bible calls that a curse? You are cursing the body that God gave you with your mouth. Proverbs 6, 2 says you are snared by the words of your mouth. The sayings of your lips will overcome you. It doesn't say what your pastor says about you comes to pass. It doesn't even say what God says about you comes to pass. It says what comes out of your mouth affects your life. I can affirm you all day long, but if you speak negative things over your own body, you're cursing your life. I heard somebody say, I am today 
what I said about myself yesterday, and I will be tomorrow what I say about myself today. You're snared by your words. The fruit of your lips is what comes to pass. Um, back in the 80s, there was this famous televangelist that was on TV everywhere. I'll never forget, um, I was a young kid, but he preached a whole sermon on how you shouldn't get plastic surgery. And it was really, you know, got really popular in the 80s, especially among women. And he talked about, oh, it's the devil if you get plastic surgery and you got to take the body God's given you and not change it or anything like that. So funny, a few years after he preached that message, he got into a little, he had a really nice Harley Davidson and he ended up laying it down. He didn't get injured other than his two front teeth hit the handlebars and came out. Do you know what he did when he lost his two front teeth? He spent a lot of money getting two big fake white teeth put right back inside of his head. He never again preached a sermon about no plastic surgery or not changing your body or anything else. And I know today in today's world there's Botox if you want to get rid of wrinkles and you can dye your hair a different color. You can even get contacts to change the color of your eyes. If you do any of that stuff, plastic surgery, whatever it is, don't do it for anybody else except for you. Don't do it because you want the world to think you look better. Don't even do it for your spouse. You do things like that because you like change or something that you want to do. Matthew 22, 39 says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You will never be able to love anyone else if you first can't love you. All of you, your spirit, soul, and your body. Um, don't be like this lady I heard about. She was in her 40s and she had a heart attack. And while she was on the operating table, she said, God, is this it for me? And God said, no, no, I, I've given you another 40 more years left on planet Earth. So she was so excited to hear that. Upon recovery, she stayed in the hospital and she got a facelift, liposuction, tummy tug, everything she could. She checked out at the hospital two months later. She got hit by a bus and died. When she got to heaven, she said, God, I thought you told me I had 40 more years. God shook his head and said, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> Don't do all that now, okay? Romans, <laughs> sorry, Romans 12, 2. Woo. Do not be conformed to this world. I love this word, fashioned. Do not fashion after it's external. That's the outside. Superficial, that's things that always change. Customs. In other words, don't try to look away where the world approves of you. You don't need to put your tatas on Facebook to feel good about yourself. You don't need to show off the body parts that only your husband or wife should see to feel confident in life. You got to be who God made you. Be a modest Christian and, 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 and have confidence no matter where you're at. And, and don't change. It says be, if you want to be transformed, you do it by renewing your mind. It says if the real transformation, if it's really going to take place, if it's going to last forever, if it's long lasting, if it's permanent, it all starts up here by thinking about yourself the way God does, renewing your mind in the word. Uh, years ago, I was watching TV and this lady was on this uh, television show. They brought her on because through hard work, through discipline, through eating healthy, she lost 100 pounds. And so they brought her on this TV show and because she did all this work and lost all this weight, they paid for her to have surgery and get all the excess skin removed. And so they showed before and after pictures. They gave her a makeover, you know, colored her hair and gave her good makeup and bought her a new dress. And um, man, she looked incredible, like a million dollars. During the interview, I could tell, this is probably 10, 15 years ago, I could tell that she didn't have any joy. She wasn't excited. She was just kind of almost like someone forced her to be on there. Finally, the interviewer looked at her and said, what's wrong with you? You look fantastic. And I'll never forget, she said this, that's what everybody keeps telling me. 
But I guess in my mind, I'll always be unattractive. See, she transformed the outside, and you can do that. You can change the outside, but that's not where your confidence comes from. Confidence comes from the inside. If you don't transform the inside, you won't have confidence on the outside. And just like we should never say anything negative about ourselves and our own body, we should never allow anyone else's words about our looks or our body to get into our mind. If you're married, never, 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 ever, ever say anything to your spouse negatively. Don't show a picture of your wife before she had kids. Honey, you look so much better 15 years ago before you popped three children out of you. You know, don't show a picture to your husband, honey. You had so much hair whenever we got married. And don't ever compliment somebody else's physical appearance in front of your spouse. Don't do whatever. But especially, don't watch a movie next to your husband and Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise looks so good for 55, doesn't he? That's because he makes $20 million a year with plastic surgery and hair plugs and a personal trainer and everything. If you want your husband to quit his job and leave you and the kids and go do that, he'll do it. Don't ever do that to your spouse. Don't ever do it. And don't let these people's words get... It's amazing... What somebody's negative words, you can have a thousand compliments in life, but one negative word can stick in your mind more than everything else. About 10 years ago, I was uh, 31 years old, 32, and my son, Zach, he was 10 years old, and so he wanted me to go pick up his buddies, and we were all going to go play soccer. And it was the middle of summer, and so we went and picked up his two buddies. They were both 10, 11 years old as well. And we're driving down the road, and my, my left hand's driving, and my right hand, my right arm is on the console in, in between the two front seats. And all of a sudden, I felt someone reach up from the back seat and start rubbing my arm. And I said, what are you doing? And this little 10-year-old kid said, Mr. Miller, you have the hairiest arms of anyone I've ever seen. Now, up until that point in my life, I've never looked at another man's arms to know if mine are more hairy or less hairy than another man. I never did that. And I said, oh, no, they're not. They're just normal. The other kid reached up and said, oh, no, they're the hairiest arms in the world. You know, for three weeks, I wore a long sleeve shirt everywhere I went in the middle of summer because some 10-year-old kid said something about my hairy arms. <laughs> Insecurity comes from putting more value on what people think than what God thinks about us. Um, I, have, I have five kids. And number one is my longest point. I'll get to two or three in a second. But I have five kids, and um, I'm six foot two. And of my five kids, only one of my kids took after my height. The other ones are all short, you know, for their age. And especially my middle one, Eli, he was always a foot, sometimes two feet shorter than everybody in his entire class. Well, his first few years of kindergarten, 3K, 4K, 5K, he went to a Christian school, had great friends. He'd come home every day and jump into my arms and uh, tell me about his friends and what he played and what he learned. Out of all my kids, he was the most um, interactive with, 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 the, with his parents, with me and his mom. I mean, he'd tell us about his day. And, you know, most kids, you got to drag it out of them and force them to talk. So then when he went to first grade, we sent him to public school. And, um, you know, we were excited to hear about his first day. And he gets off the bus and he comes running in the door. And as soon as he goes to the front door, he immediately goes straight to his room and he closes the door. And I thought something must be wrong. So I went in there and I said, oh, I said, Eli, what's wrong? And he's just laying on his bed doing nothing. And he said, nothing's wrong. I said, Eli, tell me what's wrong. I'm your dad. I'll fix it. I'll make it. Tell me what's wrong. He said, nothing. Please go out of my room. I said, Eli, I'm not leaving till you tell me what's wrong. And then he said the words that you never want your children to ever say on their first day of school. He said, everybody in the class made fun of me. 
He said, they all called me too little and short and said they don't want me playing with them because I'm too small. They told me I should go back to kindergarten where I belong. I said, Eli, you are not what people say about you, but you are what you answer to. Do not answer to that. If that's not what you are, don't answer to it. I told Eli, if you will forgive, I wanted to say if you beat the crap out of them, but I didn't. I said, kids are kids. I said, if you forgive those kids, if you'll go up to them and play with them anyway, if you'll be kind and just be who God made you to be, those same kids that are calling you short, in a few years, they're going to call you boss. They're going to call you senator. They're going to call you doctor. They're going to call you when they want time off. They're going to call you when they want to raise. You just keep being who God made you to be, and I promise God will take care of you. Eleanor Roosevelt said, nobody can make you feel insecure without your permission. We should only answer to what God calls us. Smart, healthy, talented, likable. Isaiah 40, 54, 17, you know the first part. It says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The last part of the scripture is so amazing. Every word that's been spoken against you, listen, you have to declare it wrong. I, I can't declare it wrong for you. God cannot even stop those negative words. You have to be the one to get in your closet or get in your car or leave work, take a break, go to the bathroom, and you have to be the ones to say, I am not that. I am not what they call me. I'm not what they think about me. I'm not. I'm attractive. I'm smart. I'm handsome. I'm a child of God. I'm valuable. You have to do your best to always stop those negative words or they will take root and destroy your future. I can tell you my son Eli, um, he became so confident, so confident. In fact, just maybe a month or two later, um, he invited a friend home from school. So I had these two kids in my yard, and Eli's was short. He must have invited the tallest kid in his entire class, because it was like this and this, right? And so I'm in the garage, you know, just kind of doing work, and the kids are outside playing. And all of us, and you know, kids don't know any better. Sometimes they just say what they're feeling or what they're thinking. Well, this tall kid that was out there, I, he looked right at Eli. They're playing together. He said, you know, you sure are small for your age. And I looked out the side of the garage like, is he going to start crying? Is he going to run inside? What's he going to do? And Eli looked at him and said, you know, it doesn't matter how big or small somebody is. And that kid was like, I knew that. And they just kept on playing and doing their thing. <laughs> Point number two for your notes is this. You have to value your body. You will never take care of the things that you don't value. You have to see it as priceless. You have to see it as a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your body is... And it, it doesn't say soul. That's so interesting to me. It says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you receive from God, and you are not your own. Your body doesn't even belong to you. It belongs to God because He paid for it. You were bought with a price. So honor God with your body. If you owned a million-dollar racehorse, you would not feed that racehorse Doritos for every meal, McDonald's, beer every night, and you would not prevent that racehorse from getting sleep. You'd make sure it was very, very well taken care of. You'd go to great lengths to make sure that million-dollar racehorse was healthy. Well, you are much more valuable than a million-dollar racehorse. You say, well, can I smoke and drink and chew tobacco and still go to heaven? And the answer is yes. You'll probably get there before the rest of us will. But yes, you can still do that but you should still honor God with your body. You know, during World War II, there was a famous actress named Betty Grable. I don't know if y'all remember her, you old folks in here, but Betty Grable was known for having the most beautiful legs in the entire world. In fact, during World War II, Betty Grable insured her legs for $1 million. That was unheard of during those times, a pair of million dollar legs. 
Would y'all like to see a pair of $10 million legs? You better say yes. yes. Okay, now if you battle lust, close your eyes for just a few minutes, okay? Here's a pair of $10 million legs right here. Aren't those nice? I, I can prove to you they're $10 million legs. You ready? Right, somebody, you, I thought you were taking a picture of your hiding your face. Here's how, listen, if somebody offered me $10 million for these legs, I'd say no. They're more valuable than 10 million. I would not give them away for 10 million dollars. You gotta see your body as valuable. There's no excuses for you either. You know, um, last year I met who's become a very, very good friend of mine, my trainer, uh, Daniel. He comes to the second service. They call him the Hulk. He's a you know, really big guy. But um, a few years ago, Dan was riding his motorcycle over here in Socasty, and a car ran a red light or a stop sign and plowed right into him. And they ended up not just running into him, but they ran over his face. He still has marks on his face from where the car ran over him. And, um, and, and he was left on the side of the road to die. The car just took off and kept going. And finally, somebody saw and called the police and called an ambulance. And when his wife ended up coming by later, she found one shoe way over here, another shoe way over there. It destroyed it. And he was a bodybuilder, a muscle guy. Here's a picture of him after his accident there. Lost all his strength. For six months, he could not walk, he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat. He had to eat through a straw. Here's another one here. Um, he had to relearn how to walk, relearn how to talk, relearn how to function in life. Here's a video of him. That, and if you listen, I don't know if the volume's up, but the nurse tells him, she says, you need to stop because you're in too much pain. And right when she tells him to stop, he puts his other hand on there and starts going even more. You know, a lot of people in this condition would think, you know, after this, I'm not going to get healthy. After this, I'm just going to let my body go. You know, I have an excuse now. I spent 20 years getting strong and healthy. And in one split moment, I lost all of it. I'm done. But not Daniel. He, even, and even the doctors told him, you better not ever work out again. You, you, you. And listen, doctors mean well, just like pastors mean well. But nobody knows your destiny except for you and God. Daniel got right out of the hospital, relearned to talk, relearned to walk, relearned how to eat. And here's what he looks like now. <laughs> now go to the next picture so we don't leave that one up there too long <laughs> I, I, I have to make sure I'm the best looking one in the room I can't show that too much but, and he became a bodybuilding champion man you have no excuse no excuse make little changes go to the gym find, and listen if, if, if you want your don't ever say anything to your spouse about their, their body but if you do want your spouse or your loved ones to get healthy the way you encourage someone you love to get healthy is you do it first I don't care if you need it or not. If you want them to run, you start running and invite them along with you. If you want them to eat healthy, you eat healthy and invite them to eat what you're doing. That's how you take care of loved ones. And you're like, Mark 5.25 says this. There was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. You talk about a physical ailment. You talk about somebody that should stay in their bedroom, eat ice cream, and watch reruns at NCIS all day long. I'm sure she did not feel like doing anything. Nothing. But in her mind, I bet she thought, you know what? If I stay here and do nothing, then nothing's gonna change. But if I at least try to get to church, if I at least try to go to the gym, try to make the changes, maybe God will step in and put his super to my natural and maybe something supernatural. Like she heard that Jesus was coming through her town and man, you understand, medical science gave up on her. Her friends gave up on her. She had nobody, no pastor called her and encouraged her and tried to cheer her on. All she had was her willpower alone. And the Bible says that she, she, as weak as she felt, she jumped out of bed 
She pressed through the crowd, and with the last little bit of energy in her physical body, she jumped out, and in verse 29, it says, her finger touched the robe of Jesus, and just like that, the flow of blood dried up on the inside of her. Man, she stepped out and did what she could, and Jesus stepped out and did what he always does best. There is no excuse. The pain of change is temporary, but the pain of staying the same lasts forever. In verse 30, Jesus felt energy and power discharged from him. And he said, daughter, your faith, not your pastor's faith, not your spouse's faith, not even the faith that Jesus had. She said, your faith is what made you whole today. Number three is this last point. Be confident in your body. If you will speak well of your body, if you will value your body, then it's easy to be confident in the body that God gave you. Uh, Psalms 139.14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's a true story about this, um, about this kid who was given up for adoption. When he was six weeks old, his parents gave him and his sister away. At two years old, he developed a mysterious illness that kept him from growing. And so for the first six years of his life, he was in hospitals while the doctors were just trying to figure out what was wrong with him. But they never could figure out the answer. He was just an extremely small boy. His only dream in life was to play a sport. Any sport. He didn't care what it was. He just wanted to play a sport. But none of the kids would play with him because he was so small. They'd call him names. They'd make fun of him. Do you know that rejection is the enemy's number one trick to steal our confidence? Yeah. If, you, if, if the devil knows you can just put more confidence in that ex that's, that, that broke up with you and told you you weren't good enough. If, if the enemy knows if he can just take that, that, if he can take your confidence and put it in that parent that rejected you. Or in that coach that told you they don't want you on your team or whatever. If you could just put more confidence in some person, the enemy knows he's got you right where you're at and you're going to live insecure the rest of your life. This boy was rejected by medical science and doctors. He was rejected by his parents who gave him away for adoption. He was rejected by his friends. His sister was taking ice skating lessons one day. and He was sitting there watching her. And um, he wanted so bad to get out on the, on the rink and just, just try to see if he could ice skate. There were some buddies, some guys watching. And all of a sudden, in a moment of great confidence, knowing they were going to make fun of him, knowing they were going to call him names, he put on some ice skates. And he went out there and did his best. He was so good, he started training for the Olympics. Long story short, Scott Hamilton won 25 national and international skating championships for four years. And he won the 1984 Olympic gold medal. Psalms 23.7 says, as a man thinks, so he will become. Not as your friends think, not as your pastor thinks. I wish it said, the way God thinks about you is what you're going to become. It says the way you think is going to determine your future. Um, I saw a reporter on television a while back that was interviewing different countries and different cultures to see what was beautiful and what was handsome in those different countries and cultures. You know, in America, I didn't know this, but what America says, the world says is, is beautiful or handsome is a symmetrical face. That's what our culture says is beautiful or handsome. Well, that's, it's not like that in other parts of the world. It's different everywhere. There was one culture that um, the longer your earlobes, the more attractive and desirable you are. Another one was the longer your neck. I'd like to visit there. Um, there was one that was the smaller your feet. There was another one, <laughs> the true story, the, 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 the size of a man's belly. Not his arms, not his legs, not his nose. But the bigger his belly, the more handsome and desirable the man is in that culture. I have a pastor friend who pastors down the street, 
And he posted this on Facebook a while back. And it was this guy with a giant belly. And the pastor said in his quotes on Facebook, he said, I'm not fat. I'm just from the wrong tribe. <laughs> if, somebody, if you let the world decide what's beautiful or what's handsome, you'll always be fighting to be what the next popular thing is. You got to just be confident in the body that God gave you. You know, if you're short, I read that short people live 10 years longer than tall people. So, yes, but, but, yeah, but us tall people, that means we get to go to heaven 10 years before you short people. So both sides can be confident. Okay, Exodus 4.10, God called Moses to speak on his behalf to Pharaoh. And if you need to speak, you need to have a good voice. You don't need strong arms to speak. You don't need hair. You can weigh whatever you want to weigh. If God calls you to speak, you just got to be able to speak. And Moses said, God, who's going to listen to me? You see how insecure he was. Don't send me. I'm not a good speaker. I stutter. I stammer. I have a heavy and awkward tongue. Moses said, God, there's a physical attribute about my body that's holding me back. There's a, you gave me this, God, and now I can't do what you're calling me to do. In fact, there's two million people who can do this better than I can. Any one of those other Israelites speaks better than me. I love God's response in verse 11. He said, Moses, who gives man his mouth? Who makes people hear and speak and see? Is it not I? God was saying, Moses, if I wanted you to be taller, I would have made you taller. If I wanted you to have a different color skin, different color eyes, I would have given it to you. If I wanted you to have this or that, I would have done it. So Moses, I know what you got because I gave it to you. So when I call you to do something, don't let what you think is a liability stop you from doing it. Moses, you're going to speak whether you like it or not. And Moses went and did exactly what God told him in spite of him not being a good speaker. God did not change the outside. It was the inside that Moses needed confidence in. Man, that amazes me in life. Amazes me. Um, when I think about um, having confidence in your body, and I'm kind of closing with this, but um, a friend of mine went to heaven a few weeks ago, Chris Skinner, there's a picture of him here. And, um, you know, the, the first 20 years of Chris's life um, were pretty much normal. He could walk, run. He was a surfer, a very athletic guy. And then he got into an accident when he was around 20 years old, and it made his body a paraplegic body. And, you know, Chris was bound by this wheelchair um, in his body, but he was not bound by the wheelchair in his spirit. You know, a lot of people, this would hold them back. They just, you know, live in a pity party, eat ice cream all day, be done with life. Not Chris. You'd think that something like this, you'd lose all your confidence. I remember I was talking to him. He was telling me a story one time. And, you know, he got saved after his accident. He gave his life to Jesus after his accident. In fact, he told me, he said, um, if I hadn't have gotten my accident, I'd probably either be in hell or in jail. You know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have got Jesus would not have become the Lord of my life. So God will use anything in life. And we were talking and, um, you know, I knew he was a surfer. And, you know, so I said, man, if, if I knew you in high school, we would have been friends and hung out. He said, oh, no, 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 we would not have. He said, I was a drug dealer. And I, had to, I said, dude, we would have been best friends in high school if I had known you. Best of friends. But um, he gave his life to Jesus after his accident. But this is a guy that was healthy, you know, surfer. Everyone loved him. And now he's a quadriplegic. You'd think he wouldn't have any kind of confidence in life, but he started going to physical therapy. And do you know this dude was hitting on his physical therapist as a quadriplegic? Can you believe that? He thought she was hot. He asked her out on a date. And they ended up getting, here's a picture of him proposing to that, to that physical therapist right there. 
the guitar players are like, man, I wish I were him. <laughs> a lot of people think that Susie and Chris met uh, before his accident. And they think, oh, she was a great wife to stay with him. No, 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 no. They fell in love after his accident. And you know, a lot of, a lot of dads, a lot of husbands, they're very physically healthy. They can run, they can walk. But you know what? They're not good fathers. They don't, not, they don't spend time with their kids. They don't go to their games or anything like that. I have a video I've watched it over a hundred times of Chris brushing Alethea's teeth. Take a look at them. You can hear Caleb. Look at watch Daddy. He's hoping that they brush your teeth. Can I? I can't see. To this day, she's never had one cavity, by the way. I'm just kidding. Everybody wave at Susie back there at the back. <laughs> Man, this excites me. And look what God's done for this guy. Now listen, all of you in here that are holding back because of something on your body, birthmark, weight, whatever it is, don't let it hold you back. You have no excuse. You need to step out in faith and you find you a Christian. You find you a Christian one. Okay, let me tell you a story and I'll let you go. Um, Years ago, when my, my grandma was alive, um, they were millionaires, but they, they, they lived like they had no money at all. I mean, you know, she'd wear our old shoes and all. I was like, Grandma, you can't wear them. She says, yes, I can. My shoes were like two sizes too big. She'd wear it just to save money. But they were millionaires, so funny. She used to work at uh, Piggly Wiggly, so she'd go shopping there, and Piggly Wiggly had a section in the grocery store called the Damaged Goods section. And it's where they sold canned good products that were marked down because they had a flaw on the outside. There was a dent, a torn label, there was some discoloration. The store couldn't sell it at full price because of an imperfection. They considered it less valuable. Inferior, uh, damaged goods was the marking on it. But when my grandma bought it and brought it home, there was nothing wrong with the inside. The outside of the can was not perfect, but it didn't affect the inside, the contents. The, 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 the damaged can of peaches, they were sold for half the price, but when she opened them, they were just as good as the peaches that sold at full price. The damaged can of green beans, you know, the outside had discoloration, the label was torn, but when she opened it up, there was nothing wrong with the inside. We can't go through life without getting damaged on the outside. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, an addiction takes some of our health away. We get into an accident, lose the ability to walk or even talk. Living with the damaged good label on the outside is believing a lie from the devil. The label does not determine the product. We are either who people say we are or we are who God says we are, but you can't be both. And only you can make the decision. Amen. Amen. Okay.